This is Transistor.fm. This episode is brought to you by Postmark. They've got a new podcast I want to tell you about. It's called Talking Email. If your app sends email or you use email in your business, this is a must listen. Recent topics include how to think about email for your SaaS, how to design your emails, and solving extreme email deliverability mysteries. We've had a few of those. Uh, you can subscribe at postmarkapp.com slash podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and I've got a Halloween candy hangover. What's your favorite candy? Oh, man. I mean, my favorite candy is never in the candy jar. Um, I like Big Turks. That's a Canadian. That's got to be Canadian. Oh, really? <laughs> I like Turkish Delight. Okay. Those are probably my two favorite. I'm a big fan of Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Oh, man. I got so many of those. We ran out of candy last night ah. for Halloween, and I, I had to drive and get some more. And so I picked up another box of 90 uh, candies, and half of them are Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Mm. So Nice. I should have good, sent some your way. Good choice. I'm sure there's... Well, they're all on sale today, so I can just go and buy them for half the price or less. Make it a business expense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Research. How, how many trick-or-treaters did you get last night? Uh, zero. There's no kids that just go from house from uh, apartment no. door to apartment door? No, not really. I think I think most of that happens in other neighborhoods. It's like more, I don't know, family neighborhoods where there's houses and stuff. Yeah. Certainly nothing like like when I grew up. It's just like small town just running around to houses that are decorated. Yeah. It is there's nothing like Halloween. Halloween is ah it it is pretty fun. My my kids were so excited about it. <laughs> um yeah, they they were they were pretty jazzed and they they got a lot of candy last night. Nice. Uh, and I which meant I ate quite a bit last night as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to call this well, first of all, we're on kind of a a new system here. I'm uh, on my phone. <laughs> and uh, so that's how you and I are talking to each other. And then I'm, I've am i got this, um, this AT875R Audio-Technica mic going into a portable field recorder called the H4N Pro. Mm-hmm. We're trying this out because I just upgraded my computer to an iMac. But that's in like kind of the big co-working room. Yeah. And where I normally record is in here. So normally I'd bring my 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 laptop over here, but I can't do that. Yeah, dust you got desktop life. I've never I I haven't had a desktop since two thousand and four. Oh yeah. What's Maybe I don't I don't know. That'd be inter- that'd be an interesting situation. I feel I would have I I mean I would definitely have to have a laptop. It's funny because on Twitter, people are talking about it. And a lot of people have done what I've done. But what they did is they bought a cheap, um, either a Chromebook or a MacBook Air or a refurbished MacBook Air. Yeah, that's probably what I would do if I was in that situation. Chromebooks don't really, they can't really do development stuff. Yeah, for easily. development, it, it wouldn't be great. Uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So uh, I've had this MacBook Pro. Uh, it's uh, late 2013. I got it in 2014 when I started working with Sprintly. Mm-hmm. And um, it was definitely on its last legs. It kept freezing. And um, and plus, we're I, I'm trying to get us as a company over to transistor stuff and us not using our own personal stuff. Right. And so that that's a funny transition actually. We should <laughs> we should talk about that cuz when you're when you're bootstrapping, when you're starting, you just use your own tools. You use the software you already had, you use your own machine, you you know, you my own microphones, like we're using all of our own stuff, right? Right. But once the company gets to scale, I th- I think that you should transfer that over. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I when it, I think when it makes when it makes sense when you need it, I don't think you have to just because you have the money. Yeah, not just because you have the money for sure, um, but at some point you do want to start transferring things over. Anyway, so I need I need a new computer. So this became uh, our first big capital purchase with Transistor, yeah. and uh, uh, and yeah, I dis- I decided to go with the iMac because. We've been waiting for those two thousand, those sixteen-inch uh, MacBook Pros that they kept saying, and it just seemed like those were not going to come out until twenty twenty, like late twenty twenty, and increasingly it feels like twenty twenty one is more realistic. Yeah, I, I, they'll, I think they'll probably release something before then. I hope so. They'll have to. They're not going to wait an entire year and a half. We'll see how this recording works, but yeah. one thing I like about this is. Our customers are in all sorts of situations. And so I'm going to try this this week. And there's also a, a way of connecting a USB microphone to uh, iPhones and iPads that I want to try. Yeah, there's a, right, you can get a lightning adapter for that. Yeah. I think what I should try to do is record it to my Apple Watch with my head with my Apple headphones. <laughs> I think I think you can do like voice recording. That'd be kind of amazing if that was the future. Yes. Just yeah. do everything on your watch. Yeah, you just you can just like jump into a closet and record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, folks, let us know if this sounds okay. Hopefully this works out. It'd be cool, I think, to talk a little bit about where we're at right now in our shape-up process. Um, our We had a, originally scheduled a two-week cool-down cycle, and yesterday we kind of decided maybe we should extend it by another week. Yeah, it didn't really feel like enough. I mean, there's we have a big list of small things we can do, plus we're trying to finish our marketing site, which we haven't done yet. Yeah. And it would be nice to get that out of our mental, get that done and out of our out of our heads. Yeah. And, and in some ways it's kind of suffering from being non-shaped work. Right. I think so. I think we should probably finish that at least at least d- deploy it and replace mm-hmm. our existing site and then whatever we do next with it shape that stuff before mm-hmm. we do it cuz i think there's still going to be a lot of well not a lot but you know i think there's still going to be information and different pages that we're not going to have on there yet that we're going to have to talk about and kind of flesh out a bit more it, it's weird especially when you're learning something new or you're trying to get into a new process uh, it, it's not like it magically switches over overnight. 
it, right. it, it's kind of, it's like, okay, we, we took two steps forward and then it felt a little bit like we took a step back because we had all this kind of old work, uh, specifically the marketing site that was just not shaped and didn't have a hard kind of, uh, you know, cycle associated with it. Right. And so, yeah, it'll be really nice to have that out. Um, and, and, so we can move on into actually like moving into this new process that we have uh, right. and not kind of being having this old stuff hanging over our head. Plus, I know you want to write more, which would be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a mental, weird mental block. I just, unless I can publish it, I don't really want to write. And so um, I've been thinking about, you know, part of our site is written for search. I want to write valuable guides that people can find. But I also, I think, want to start talking a little bit, like writing more philosophical pieces, um, at least on the podcast industry, like having a point of view about where podcasting is heading. Yeah. And um, I, you know, most of my personal stuff I just publish on my, my own blog, but I think some of that stuff would fit on the Transistor site. So yeah, I'm kind of itching to get get back to writing, and plus I I want to see if all these speed improvements we we made, how that yeah. affects our our search rankings. Um, you know, if there's a noticeable uh, return on investment for all that. Yeah, it was it was funny. Uh, I think yesterday I was I've been working on it with you as well, and mm-hmm. we deployed a bunch of updates, and I lo- I opened it up on my phone, and it was really fast, and then I went back to our old site and it was definitely slower but it also just looked really bad like it's just not <laughs> it's not great on mobile at the moment it just look it, everything is just oh for sure kind of a mess yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's going it it's jarring almost it is yeah. uh, i i also the i've noticed how much better i work when you and I are working in tandem, mm-hmm. I, and it's been an interesting experience for me because I think there's a lot of my past was, you know, I'll figure it out on my own and I'll figure out creative ways to solve problems. And I don't need a partner. I'll just, you know, live stream this and get people who show up on the live stream to help me, you know, live code stuff. And, and all that stuff is valuable, but as soon as you and I were both rowing in the same direction in the same boat, yeah, like you've made really sometimes small changes, uh, like you changed the background color of the header from this kind of bright yellow to our dark color, yeah, and it instantly just improved the look of the whole site, and it wasn't something I had even considered, and you can just see how this kind of TikTok between two people who are like you know, passing the ball back and forth or, you know, rowing together or whatever the, you know, the metaphor is, it really can be helpful. And to have somebody that's all already kind of in that mind space, thinking about the same stuff you were thinking about at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I did notice, I don't think I'm great at it yet, but I did notice that with private podcasts too, both of us kind of going in the same direction on the same thing, it it forced me to 
be thinking about just this one thing and what we're going to do with this one thing, right? Yeah, I think I think that's. Uh, do you feel the same way, or? Yeah, I do. Yeah, has it been I, a, bit I, a pain? No, no, it's been good. I. It would have been great to work on the marketing site together before, but it was just there was too much to build with private podcasting. Yeah, but yeah, I think you know we're, we're obviously a really small team, and it's not like we can split off into multiple teams and work on multiple features at once. Mm-hmm. So I think going forward, that's probably how we should how we should do this. Except you know, unless it's just small small fixes or small changes. Yeah. I, I think so too. I think I think th- this is kind of a revelation for me. Even thinking back on other teams I've worked on, that the approach was always like, "Okay, what are you doing, Bill? Okay, you go in that direction. Okay, uh, Alice, what are you doing? Okay, yeah, you go in that direction. Okay, what are you doing, Mike? Yeah, okay." And then it's like everybody is working on their own thing in their own cave, and having a single team focus. And even like a single organizational focus, I think this idea that we could have all, all of these, um, these, uh, what do you call those uh, uh, in computing? Parallel threads, or yeah, uh, right. You know, like the idea that you know, okay, we're gonna that 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 guy's working over on that, and it's just gonna churn away and come back with some great stuff. I think it's definitely a beneficial way to work. I mean. I don't know if I don't know if things will get done faster if we both work on it, but I think they'll be done better, mm-hmm. and we'll be happier with the results. Like, you know, if if you or I go and do our own thing on our on our own time and just knock it out as fast as we can, like, yeah, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Maybe fa- maybe a week faster. I don't know, but yeah, I think we'll probably make assumptions that aren't aren't right or that we should have talked about with the other person. I'm just realizing, and maybe it's it's naive, but how single-threaded human beings are. I think it it kind of relates to a single person multitasking, which is really sort of not an actual thing that humans can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're not, you can't really do two things at once and actually do them both as well as if you were just focusing on one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think humans are made to split your split your attention. Yeah, so. and this has become a, a recurring thread on these other boot, Bootstrap podcasts. Uh, Jordan Gall and Brian were just talking about this on Bootstrap Web, how they've been focusing, like Jordan's been focusing more on product. And he's like, man, when you're focused on product, it's really hard to also think about sales and marketing. Yeah. And Brian's been like really focused on product and he just switched to marketing. And he's like, it is just so hard to think about both at the same time. It is, yeah. I mean, that's why I think that's why I couldn't help you with the marketing side. It's like, not that I didn't want to. I just couldn't mentally switch to that and and actually provide any any help. But once I got into it the past this past week, like, mm-hmm. it's been great. I could dove into it, did a lot of design work that I haven't done in a long time. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think of Tailwind so far? By the way. Oh yeah, so we're using yeah we're using Tailwind CSS, which I don't it's I I like it a lot. I never I've never been against it. I just didn't know it. I didn't know how to yeah. use it. So I think what they've built, I think what they built is great. It's super flexible. It took a little bit to get up to speed with how they think about it and how it's supposed to be used. Like it is very much a um, mobile first. Yeah. 
design, like you have to think about things mobile first and then you add in all of the differences for different device sizes. And yeah, um, I had to, it took me a sec to like wrap my head around how they wrote things. Um, but it's great. It's, it's super flexible. It, you know, once you get it down, you can make changes and kind of understand how things are working super fast and don't have to build your own components necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, it'll be, it'll be fun to see how, uh, how, how you like it moving forward. No, I could, I could see it being useful for, a you know, a future redesign of, of the dashboard. Mm-hmm. But I, I still have a lot of questions, but I think, I think it could, could be nice. The only way to work through those questions is we just got to keep working on the site. And then yeah. as you, uh, I think one thing I have liked since you and I have both started working on the marketing site is having the marketing site in some sort of version control, like being able to branch out and work on things and then branch back in and having nothing in a database. So, you know, because content and design and structure, they all kind of relate and so sometimes when your content is stuck in a database somewhere and not in version control, right? It's just like somewhere in a database and then, you know, people are, are uh, changing things. And often on WordPress, people are just changing things on the live site. They're not even right. controlling anything. But to have you work on a branch and then me be able to look at it and, you know, approve it and merge it or comment on it and have it work into our regular development workflow, that just feels like a game changer. And I haven't had that at any of the other startups I've worked at because we've been on WordPress. Yeah, that was that's always been an issue I've had with WordPress is that the data itself is totally separate, but also because it's in a separate database, but that data usually is tied to design. So how do you work on both? How do you mm-hmm. how do you develop locally and have it I know there's a I know there's probably services that sort of replicate your database locally or something like that but yeah yeah no this has been yeah it's been nice um hey john guess who's back uh, guess who's back back again <laughs> guess who's back tell a friend guess who's back who's back clubhouse is back clubhouse is back as a sponsor and i'm super excited about this because what do you what do bootstrap startups not have in the beginning? Money. Money. And guess what just happened? Clubhouse made their product free for teams up to 10 people, I think. Let me just check my notes here. Wow. Yeah, it's so they emailed us the other day and they're like, "Yeah, so yeah, you were paying for your account. Well, guess what? Now it's free." And yeah, free for teams up to 10 people. Uh, so if you're looking for, uh, a good alternative to Trello, to be honest, that actually allows you to integrate with GitHub, it's built for software development teams. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, paying a bunch for project management software. This is the time to try Clubhouse. Go to clubhouse.io slash build. That's our special URL. Try Clubhouse out for free. And thanks for to Clubhouse for sponsoring this show. Yeah, it's awesome. Not even a free trial, just a free plan. It's just a free plan. This is that's a good deal. I wonder. I wonder how that's working out for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's the other question. Is like as a business, but I can see it because this is how Kayako got us. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Kayako got us with a free plan when we had no money. And eventually we had money. And eventually they reached out and said, hey, it's time to upgrade. Well, they also got rid of their free plan. Yeah, they got rid of their free it's plan. It's kind of the opposite of what Clubhouse did. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I could see it because if we do grow past 10 people, it's very likely we'll just keep using Clubhouse, right? Yeah, it's Once easier to so it's to easier it. to upgrade than to switch to something else. Yeah. And this is something I wonder if people don't consider enough is how costly it is to switch and when is a good time to get customers like what the at what stage of a customer's life cycle should you get them at right meaning uh if there's a brand new startup that's just starting starting out they're making all sorts of decisions about what kind of tools they're going to use many of those decisions will stick for a decade yeah, I mean, the cost to switch is not only monetary, it's the time that it takes for everyone who's using it to get used to it or move yes. things over or, yeah. Well, even think of like this negotiation you and I are doing. It's like, I'm like, I really want to use Tailwind for the marketing site. And so we're like negotiating this. Right. And then eventually we try it. And if this works, like if this doesn't become something that you hate working in, when we make our next hire you know, our next front end developer hire, we're going to say, well, our marketing site's built in Tailwind. So that's, that's what we do here, right? We're making this decision that is, and maybe actually we should, this is why we should uh, really take more time to make decisions because, you know, you're kind of stuck with these things after a while, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even like you and I record our show using Skype and there are other options out there but once you get in the habit of doing something, you know, one way, it's really hard to get out. And, yeah. um, you know, we do get a substantial amount of our customers who switch from other platforms. And so, and when I ask them why they've switched, it's usually a something extremely painful or pokey that's caused them to cross that threshold of like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to switch. Right. Yep. Uh, or it's a, a really kind of fundamental social shift in their peer group. So that we haven't really talked about this that much, but that base camp, uh, base camp switching to us and David Hanemar Hansen doing that big rant <laughs> did bring us a bunch of attention from people who kind of identify with like, okay, these are my people. And, I'm not sure how many signups we got from it, but there was definitely a noticeable like, oh, I should check these guys out because people like them are using Transistor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's a, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Peer, is it peer pressure? <laughs> is that yeah. the right? It's total, it's, totally, it's very, pressure. it's a very persuasive thing. And uh, so back to my other thread here. The people who use Transistor for the first time, this is the first tool they've used for podcasting. If we do everything right, this will likely be the tool they use for podcasting for a decade. And right. that it's just interesting thinking about that. 
One from an acquisition perspective uh, for folks out there that are listening that are on this journey themselves, sometimes it does make sense to get people early on, right? In the startup stage. Uh, I was listening to the Rework podcast, and one thing they're going to try is they're going to get this list of uh, LLCs that are formed every year in the States, mm-hmm. and they're going to figure, they're going to reach out to those folks, maybe, and, uh, and offer their software to them because huh. they're brand new companies. Yeah. And uh, the other thing this makes me think of is, wow, if people are trying us now and they're going to use us for the next 10 years... It, it almost makes me want to make better software because I want to make software that's going to be worth hmm. sticking with for 10 years, right? Well, yeah, well, I think that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so too, but it, it, it gives me that spirit, you know? It gives me All that right. thinking of if people are, you know, at a podcast meetup and they're saying, hey, what do you use for podcast hosting? And to think of someone saying, you know, in 2020, no, wait, that's, that's next year. Yeah. Uh, what's, <laughs> what's 10 years from now? 2029. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been using Transistor for the past 10 years. It's great. Yeah. Like just ha- imagining that and going, okay, well, wow, what do we have to do every single day? How do we have to show up every single day for our customers in the future to go, Oh yeah, I've been using Transistor for oh wow, it's been ten years now. Yeah, they're they're amazing. That'd be uh, that'd be a, an amazing goal. Yeah, I mean we're we're just thinking six months at a time right now. Yeah, not even we're thinking six weeks yeah. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it functions well in the uh, the apocalyptic wasteland of ten years from now. That's all people are going to be able to do. They're going to be holed up in their bunkers. Yeah, they got to stick inside with their air filters and their. Drinking their filtered urine. <laughs> Listening to pods. Listening to pods. <laughs> can we have drinking their filtered u- urine as the show title, or is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm looking at your notes. Yeah. Releasing features. So we have a couple, th- we have a couple things. So in the cool down, we also released a couple small features yes. recently, which were the ability for someone who's on a paid account to transfer a podcast to another account, mm-hmm. which is something we, we've done a lot for people, but just behind the scenes. Um, but it happens quite o- often enough to where it was a thing that we wanted to build. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, you entered an email address, and if that person already has a transistor paid account, they just can accept the transfer and then get the podcast. Otherwise, they're asked to sign up. Yeah, this is actually uh, a super cool feature, by the way. Yeah. I, I know it seems small, but one of the things I love about Transistor is, you know, if you have a Transistor account and your friend wants to get into podcasting, you can say, hey, just use my account for now. And what this feature allows you to do is, you know, you start your, your show on your friend's Transistor account, and then you're like, oh, you know what? I want my own account now. You can, you can sign up for an account and transfer your existing show from your friend's account over to your account. And it's all built in now. Yeah, we had to do it behind the scenes before. Yeah, and there were a couple. There were a couple scenarios that we couldn't actually do because if you were a team member of that podcast but didn't have a paid account, there was no way for you to actually sign up for Transistor with with a credit card. 
mm-hmm. unless we deleted your account <laughs> and yeah. then you just sign up with the same email. So, which from a revenue standpoint, not great. We like, also fixed just, that. Yeah, we're just leaving money. Like people are like, "Well, I want to give you my money," and we're like, "Okay, if you want to give uh, us your money, yeah. we have to delete you, and then you have to sign back up." Either that, or take a picture of your credit card and send it to us, and we'll sign up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this I is that, this is a think, big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um and then a couple of small ones we implemented uh web sub in the, the RSS feeds which is the new name for what was called let me get let me see if I can get this right. Pub sub hub hub <laughs> which is which is a a publish subscribe sort of uh mechanism, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a much more efficient way to handle checking to see if there's new episodes in your RSS feed. Because what happens right now? Uh, right, what happens right now is you have an RSS feed, and then places like Apple and Spotify and Google will just constantly check the RSS feed to see if there's new episodes, like hundreds of times a day. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy that that's how it still works. Like if you look at our unique traffic for transistor, it's insane because yeah, we have it's like all- <laughs> it's yeah, it's just RSS feeds getting hammered. Yeah. So what? What? The, it's not very well supported yet, but Google Podcast supports it. Um, yeah. But WebSub allows you to submit an RSS feed to this central like hub, I guess that Google actually runs. There's you can you can run your own, but Google runs this one, so you. Basically say, hey, this RSS feed is now on this hub. Anytime there's a change to it, we're just going to send a notice to that hub that said that says this RSS feed has changed. We're not going to say what changed. And then that hub will then send out notices to everyone who's subscribed to that RSS feed mm-hmm. in the hub that says this thing changed. Can you check it now? As opposed to them checking it all the time. This is how most systems work in modern web development, right? Yeah. You don't, yeah, no, you're notification, like yeah, like notifications on your phone and stuff like that. Yeah, there's like um, some sort of triggering event. Yeah, that that pushes that thing out instead of it'd be like your phone constantly checking all of your friends' phones if to see if they'd sent you a new message. Right. Yeah. It's kind of it's crazy. I mean, it. I I hope more directories and apps support it. Yeah. It's cool. It's there. It's supported. So as you know, as new apps uh, support it, it'll be ready to go. I think. I think right now, what it means for us and for transistor customers is that people who have their show on Google Podcasts will see new episodes sooner. Yeah, very common thing is people people publish a new episode and go, "Hey, it's not on Apple Podcasts yet." And yeah, it can take sometimes two hours for it to show up. Yeah, that's probably one of our bigger questions we get. Yeah. Is why is it not on Apple Podcasts or Spotify yet? Yeah. Please, Apple, if you're listening, adopt something like Hubsub. <laughs> yeah. Because for us to just be able to send you a notice, an event that says this feed has changed, and then for you to then pull the changes at that point makes so much more sense. Yep. Please, Apple. Please, Tim. Are you Tim listening, a- Tim? Tim Apple, please do it. Hey, Tim. Can you hear me? Are you listening? 
Another small one was just an update to how when you share an episode on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere around the web, the image that gets shown is now the episode image instead of the image for the whole, the entire show. If you actually yeah. uploaded a different image, um, which is something we overlooked. We'd had it set up in other places, but um, not for those sharing pages that we have. Um, but it actually brought up another thing, which was the ability for us to auto, we could potentially auto generate oh, yeah. I- images for your show that are, you know, the right size and have the right image and have the show title and some other information in it. We can, it's fairly easy in, well, Ruby in any language really to take a little small HTML template and then just render it as an image. There's libraries mm-hmm. to do that. So we could actually generate these sharing images on the fly. Yeah. Um, that, a, that would a, be cool. In a future, in a future cycle of work we do, but. Yeah. And did, did, did this bring up a bigger, like, cause we've done these little features and we've also, you know, our private podcasting feature has been out now for a couple of weeks. Um, did this bring up a bigger question for you about how we communicate? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this the last few days, last maybe this week is this idea of like releasing features and updates and notifying our customers, which we don't really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even private podcasting, we haven't really announced it yet because we, our marketing site isn't finished, but yeah, we have all these other small updates that we do and we generally reply back to customers who are in our support queue for it. Like, Hey, we fixed this thing or we've, we've added this thing that, you know, you and these other people have requested. Mm -hmm. We don't generally notify everyone like get a mailing list or Hey, like once a month, here's what's new in, in transistor. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, we do put it, we do put it in the, we have a newsletter list and I'll put, I usually put a feature update in every one of those. Okay. Um, I don't think I've sent one for a while, though. Yeah, I, I just wonder, like, should we, should we just do that every month, mm-hmm. and make sure we do it every month, um, like have it on a, a consistent schedule. Yeah, yeah. And the other, the other thing I was thinking about is like, you know, we've we've done some interface changes over mm-hmm. the last year or months or whatever, and we have talked about doing bigger overhauls to how things are organized, right? So yeah, when we make these changes, again, we don't really tell everyone we've changed something. Like we maybe we change the wording or the copy or where something's located. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering internally if that is really confusing for people. If we're just yeah. moving, the changing the UI and not, Tell and just expecting everyone's going to discover it and like feel the same way the same way we do about it. Again, we've we've communicated some of this in email newsletters in the past, so I think a consistent email newsletter schedule would help because then at least it's like okay, here's what's changed in the last week, and people can kind of depend on it. You know, like what percentage of people are you actually reaching each time you send out one of those newsletters, right? And then there's other ways of doing this, like some apps you know, show you a modal as soon as you come in with, here's what's changed since the last time. But as a user, I know like most of the time I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like I just, you you know, I just, I got to get back to work. Right. And so the giving people the information at the right time seems so challenging. Right. 
And we haven't really had, we, we've had a few big UI changes and the way we communicated it was just in the newsletter and it seemed to work pretty good because, but our customer base was a lot smaller back then. Yeah. And so now it's like if we decide to really change. And we will. I mean, we've definitely, we have plans to sort of reorganize a lot of the interface around a show itself, a podcast, mm-hmm. and, and where everything we have now is going to be in there. It's just going to be moved to a different menu or the menu is going to change names. Um, that Certainly that type of stuff, we should probably relay that like the day we release it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't have any built in internal messaging system because then once you build that, it's like now you got to you got to send a message to everyone. You got to make you got to mark them as read if they read it and not show them that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's almost an entire feature in itself. Yeah, and we could do some of that through Mixpanel, which we already yeah, have set true. up. Um, which might be an interesting way to test this is to just do mixed panel at first and see, you know, how do, does that really annoy people or, um, you know, how do people respond to that? What we're looking for is the most effective way to communicate with people who care hmm. <laughs> uh, what's changed and yeah. figuring out like the right mix of, I, it feels like a newsletter at the very least is like that's like the bare minimum, and for yeah. major changes, you're right. Like we should, the day of, we should say, "Hey, this is changing," and probably we should we should give people even pre warning, like, "Hey, just to let you know, this is coming up." Yeah, because people yeah, don't probably. like surprises. People don't like logging into their app, their podcasting no. app. That's when you get feedback that's like, "Oh, this sucks." Now I don't like this update. I'm, I'm yeah, leaving. yeah, and it could be like. The update is better for them, but it just it was so disruptive to their normal workflow right. of I've got five minutes to publish this episode before I've got to go catch my plane and you guys messed that up for me. Right. Me thinking about this didn't come from customers complaining that we've changed stuff. Like, I don't think we've really had any complaints about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something I think that that, yeah. will, that will happen if we don't address it. The other thing in the back of my mind about this is because in the past you know, when I've worked for software companies, I've sent a regular customer newsletter at the same time every month. And one thing I don't like about it is how forced it sometimes is. It's like customers just know like, okay, here comes another email from Transistor and okay, I'll just ignore that. As opposed to just emailing people when there's something to talk about. There's pros and cons about both approaches. Like I think we could def- we're definitely kind of overdue to send one now. Certainly, certainly when we finish our site and kind of talk about private podcasting and yeah yeah but even these small changes i think would be interesting to people right Um, but yeah even like uh yeah like analytics which we're going to work on next i think mm -hmm. that's going to be a huge change and we're probably going to want an entire email about that and what's changed and how to use it Mm -hmm. yeah i think we did a pretty good job on this with bots when we started removing bots yeah Uh, we sent that out in two newsletters we warned them that it was coming and then in the actual newsletter, we kind of explained it a little bit more, and we had help documentation for it as well. That felt like pretty good. But again, our customer base was so much smaller back then. So, yeah, hard to figure out. Yeah. Well, if you folks out there have an idea on customer communication and how you do it, I, I, I will tell you I'm not a big fan of intercom 
updates, like people putting product updates in intercom. Right. Uh, it's not not a. I I don't know. I I, I want to do this in a way that's not obtrusive, but at the same time is relatively effective. And so, yeah, figuring that out is tricky. Um, I think we should wrap this one up because we're about at forty five minutes. Do you want yeah. to thank our Patreon supporters? I uh, sure do. Uh, yeah, thanks to everyone as always for supporting us on Patreon. We have uh, one new supporter, Eric Lima. Thanks, thanks Eric. For thanks, Eric. Uh, Jason Sowers from userinput.io. James Sowers. James Sowers. What did I say? Jason. Jason. James Sowers. James Sowers. As a a Justin, (laughs) I get called Jason like three times a day. Oh, man. I I think there's some more. Jason is just just the the alpha male of the J names. For whatever reason, I'm looking at this. It looked like Jason. (laughs) Uh, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley from nicethings.io. Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Brady Yumna, Shem Becker, Noah Prale, David Colgan, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray from Alitu.com, Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pedrofita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitber, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, uh, my brother Dan Buda. DanBuda.com. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. And our sponsors this week, Postmark and Clubhouse. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.